This is Weird Paul, and when I'm not busy being weird, I'm busy playing Commodore 64 games and listening to Rob O'Hara on Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Rob O'Hara. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing Park Patrol. Do you know what famous artist created the artwork that appeared on the outside of the Park Patrol box? Stay tuned to learn the answer to this question. But before we get started talking about this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy headlines. It has been a busy couple of weeks for Sprite Castle. I've been getting a lot of moving parts put in place. So welcome back to the show as always. Did you hear Weird Paul there at the top of the episode? That's kind of crazy. Uh, Weird Paul told me his favorite Commodore 64 game is Phantom of the Asteroids, which is a game I will be looking at in a later episode of Sprite Castle. Uh, if you're not uh, following Weird Paul uh, like I do... Uh, I, I've, uh, if you're from my generation and you grew up on Weird Al, then you probably know, uh, what Weird Paul is all about. He was a guy who made a whole bunch of home movies that he shares online when he was a kid. He still records his streams and his current videos with a ancient, uh, VHS handheld, uh, video camera. But you can check out Weird Paul at twitch.tv forward slash Weird Paul. Uh, he's also on Facebook and Twitter, and he, he loves interacting with his fans. So anyway, I thought that was really cool that he sent that in. Thank you, Mr. Mister Paul, if weird is your first name. <laughs> and Paul is your last name. That's not true. Um, so uh, let's kick off the show. The first thing, the big news, the big, big, big news of the episode is that Sprite Castle now has an official sponsor, and the sponsor of Sprite Castle is Retro Rewind, which is a website, it's a company that deals in uh, all kinds of accessories and parts and uh, everything that you would need for your Commodore computer. Uh, they have things available for the Commodore 64, the 128, the uh, Commodore 16, the Plus 4, if you're still rocking a Plus 4, and, and uh, also lots of stuff for the Amiga. So um, just browsing through their online catalog, they have lots of uh, different types of test and diagnostic cartridges. They have uh, lots of wiring harnesses. They have all kinds of replacement chips and uh, cap kits, you know, little bags of capacitors for rebuilding. You know, these old computers, they don't last forever. And uh, you know, you don't want to just pick them up and, and dump them in the trash. You know, there's a limited number of them. So they have all the stuff you need to keep your Commodore going. And so if you'd like to go take a look at what they have, you could find Retro Rewind over at RetroRewind.ca. And if you use the code SpriteCastle, so just go to RetroRewind.ca forward slash SpriteCastle, you will get 10% off your order. So that is pretty cool. They're also shipping me uh, some things to test, some things to try out, and some things to give away on the show. So I'm really excited in partnering up with Retro Rewind. Uh, all their stuff 
ships from North America, which is nice. I've already got some stuff from them, and it comes really fast in the mail. Um, you know, I just ordered a joystick from a, a different company online, and it said ships from the U.S. And uh, then when I got the – after I had paid and, and – uh, uh, got the paperwork, it said ships from China, and it took three months to get a joystick, which I probably wouldn't have ordered if I knew I was going to have to wait three months for. So that's uh, another nice thing about Retro Rewind is being right here on the same continent is uh, is kind of nice. And uh, Anyway, they do uh, stand behind all the stuff that they make. It's uh, You can tell it's obviously a labor of love. Uh, they will uh, you know return and swap anything out if you get something that doesn't work. Um, but, uh, yep, super excited to uh, welcome Retro Rewind to the Sprite Castle family. So thank you guys again for uh, sponsoring the show. I look forward to uh, all the stuff we're going to do in the future. Moving on to YouTube. Uh, we have a few different new videos up on YouTube. There's one for Part Patrol, which is this week's game. So if you want to go check out and see what Part Patrol looks and sounds like, you can go check that out on YouTube. And then the one I did last week was... Uh, several different racing games for the Commodore 64. Of course, the Commodore 64 had all kinds of great racing games, and I played four on one stream. I played Rally Speedway, Championship Sprint, Power Drift, and Pole Position. So, uh, like all my Sprite Castle videos, you can find those over on youtube.com forward slash Amigos Retro Gaming, and then just look for the Sprite Castle playlist, and you can find those videos. On to this episode's King of the Castle. Well, this one, you know, on the uh, previous episode, I did a King of the Castle that literally nobody got, and I felt really bad. I thought uh, Screaming Trees were a little bit more well-known. I thought my audience was uh, the, the uh, 90s alternative <laughs> fans that I was, uh, but that did not turn out to be the case. And so this one uh, was uh, apparently a little bit more mainstream and a little bit uh, uh, easier to guess, of course, for the... Uh, 8-bit song on last week's episode for the game Paradroid was Paranoid by Black Sabbath, and it was uh, mainstream enough that a lot of people guessed this one. So congratulations to Steve Sharippa, Joseph Sharippa, Paul Jacobson, Adam from the Retro Gaming Bygones, Ferg from the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, Mitsuyama, Bill Spear, Matthew Perrin, Rick Reynolds, Louis Gornfeld, Zorglub, and Morgan Wentworth. I don't know how they're all going to fit. You know, the room's not, it's not a ballroom, you guys. I don't know how everybody's, it's, uh, you know, I just peeked in through the window earlier and it's like those old contests, how many people you get in a phone booth. Like the castle's not that big, guys. I'm expanding, but uh, geez, I don't know. There's a pretty big party going in there. I don't know if there's room enough to move in there, but congratulations to all the kings of the castle. Of course, if you want to play along, at the end of this episode, there will be a song that is related to the theme of this episode, but it won't be from that game. And if you recognize uh, the song and its relationship to the game, uh, then all you have to do is send me an email at robohara at robohara.com. Be sure to put King of the Castle in the title so I will be able to find that easily and just tell me what the song is and how it relates to the program. And you will be given a key. And everybody on this list received an actual key that works on the room. Hmm, what's that all about? Well, if you become a king of the castle, you will find out. So congratulations again to all of this episode, Kings of the Castle. 
On to this week's game news. Someone informed me that Freaky Fish uh, had just received a physical release. This is actually a deluxe version. You can find it over at bitmatsoft.co.uk. There are two different editions available. One is a tape edition, and then there's also, uh, I guess they're both uh, deluxe editions, but the other one is on the Commodore 64 cartridge format. Um, This is a uh, physical edition. It comes in a box. It has some new levels, has updated music. This is all from the previous release. Uh, Updated title screen. The cartridge version has a, a way to load and save high scores onto a disc. It says that they also made some NTSC fixes, which is always important to those of us on this side of the pond. So uh, this looks like a really good value. You know, if you're if you're picking up those physical Commodore 64 releases to put on a shelf and, and uh, more important to play, then uh, this looks really cool. So I am waiting on my copy to arrive. So when it gets here, I will be playing uh, freaky fish and I'm expecting to uh, talk about it and uh, give a review on the next episode of Sprite Castle so uh, that will be something to uh, look forward to another uh, game that got released is Monstro Giganto Giganto maybe from uh, RGCD uh, this is uh, $35 it is available online uh, it is a cartridge only release right now uh, it is a gigantic brawler it uses uh, Pedaski graphics that fill the entire screen, and it's a, a monster fighting game. It also has, it says, 250 digitized words. Uh, the uh, cart version says that it comes in Gmod 2 and Easy Flash formats, but it can't run from a disc. I guess it's constantly accessing the cartridge for all this information, and it just has uh, too much information. It can't, uh, I guess, the disc drive can't keep up. Uh, there is a digital-only version coming soon, but right now just physical copies are available. Uh, it says on the website it is compatible with real machines and the Mega 65 and even the C64, but it is not compatible, it says, with the Ultimate 64. Uh, and then at the bottom there's a note that says it doesn't sound right if you play it on an Ultimate 64 unless you have a real SID chip installed. So I guess the uh, SID emulation on the Ultimate 64 just doesn't. It's probably the digitized speech, if I had to guess, but uh, it sounds like it may have issues with that. But, um, yeah, that looks absolutely amazing. If you watch the uh, trailer on YouTube to this game, it's it's really cool looking, especially considering, you know, that it's uh, the same graphics that I used to make little block houses and stuff out of. It's amazing the uh, artwork that they did on that. So that's definitely uh, something to check out. I saw a a couple of updates on titles that are coming soon. One is a port of Eye of the Beholder, which is being ported to the Commodore 64. I loved all those AT, I almost said AT&T. That's a different podcast where I talk about the phone system. Uh, AD&D, Gold Box Games. And so that'll be cool to have Eye of the Beholder over on the uh, C64. I know I played Pools of Radiance and, um, you know, all those type of games back in the day. I think Curse of the Azure Bonds was another one I played on the 64. So it'll be cool to play Eye of the Beholder. I'm looking forward to that. And on Twitter, I also saw some updated screenshots of the Empire Strikes Back game, which still seems to be uh, being worked on. You know, this is not the Empire Strikes Back vector game from the arcade, but the Empire Strikes Back from the Atari 2600, which is 
is going to have all new graphics and uh, just looks really fantastic. So I am chomping at the bit as a both a fan of the C64 and of Star Wars to see that release. So can't wait for that to happen. Um, one thing that I forgot to mention on the last episode is that I was recently interviewed by uh, the Odd Pod. Uh, that is A U D P O D. Uh, Odd is an audio. And the Odd Pod is a podcast that is all about interviewing other podcasters. And it's uh, uh, great to listen to if you're creating content, you know, as a podcaster to listen to what other people, you know, their ideas and their thoughts and, and the processes they go through, the software they use. It's He gets into technical stuff about what software and how people edit. Uh, so there's a lot of information there, but also if you just enjoy listening to podcasts, it's, it's kind of cool to, to pull the curtain back and hear a little bit about how these shows are made. So, uh, you could find the odd pod over on, uh, uh, of course, iTunes, anywhere where you get, um, podcasts from, or go check out, uh, at the a U D P O D one on Twitter at the odd pod one. And you'll see uh, information about episodes and stuff that are getting released. And you could go find my episode where I got interviewed by the odd pod. It was a, a really fun time. I had a great time doing it. And uh, I had a fun time listening to a bunch of other episodes that are on there as well. So um, he has, in fact, interviewed a big list of people, which I collected here. Some of the people he has interviewed include Alan Hudgens, Armadon Restel, Carrie Clanton, Chris Folds, Christopher Warren, Cowbird Boy, Dan Paradroid Heavy, Darren Folds, Dave Zilly, David Chambers, David Hearn, Eric Stryanisi, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Graham Vebke, Jake Nonamaker, John Morrison, John Boat of Car Schaller, John Treholt, Jose Quezada, Joshua Eckroth, Mark Alley, Matt Hill, Matt Nicholson, Michael Dornboss, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Mr. Wacky, Olav Hope, Patrick Markey, Rydar and Christopher Bowe, Rick Reynolds, Roy Jacobs, Scott Lambert, Scrap Arcade, Stephen Burt, Steve Rasmussen, Steve Sharippa, The Slow Norris, Vintage Volts, Zeke Pabsky, and The Mysterious Cobra Kai. Boy, I would love to listen to podcasts with all those people. I know all those guys have uh, great things to share and talk about, but unfortunately, they are not all people that have shown up on the Odd Pod. They are my Patreon supporters. And so if you would like to support this show, go check out patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara to find out the different tiers and rewards and all the exciting stuff that we are doing, including we have added a high score challenge for the games that we play on Sprite Castle. So if you'd like to be a part of that, that is becoming a part of the Patreon and Discord server as well. If you have feedback about this episode or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore or leave me a message on my podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. And don't forget that all Patreon supporters get access to the Amigos Discord server, home to several communities, including the Amigos, ARG Presents, Pixel Guide In, and the Team Speak Irregulars. And those are this week's headlines brought to you by my local paperboy who just ran over my kid's remote control car. Oh man, that's bogus. Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. 
Well, you know, park patrol is all about being a park ranger and going out and cleaning up things. And it reminds me of going to the park and camping. And the number one thing that I think of about, you know, camping outdoors or taking a tent, taking a camp or whatever is making s'mores, which uh, I think I know that's a U.S. thing. I don't know if that's a U.K. thing. I hope it is. Uh, because if it's not, you're missing out on the most delicious treat of all time. A s'mores is a graham cracker with a bit of chocolate, a marshmallow, and then a uh, another piece of graham cracker on top to make a sandwich. And, of course, the uh, goal of this is to heat it up on an open campfire. You know, you heat up the marshmallow and then put it on. That kind of melts the chocolate, and you make this ooey-gooey s'mores mess. And so I came up with this idea that I was going to have s'mores for this week's episode. I told my wife she was going to the store, and I said, you know what? I'd like some s'mores. And she said, no problem. And so she went to the store, and she came home with a box of s'mores cereal. Not really what I had intended, but uh, I will say this. Number one, very delicious. (laughs) I don't know. um, You know, there there seems to be some cereals with so much sugar that kind of push the limits of um, maybe what breakfast cereal was intended to do. Uh, S'mores breakfast has little bits of uh, graham cracker flavored cereal along with uh, chocolate flavor and marshmallows. So it has all the the components of uh, a s'more stack. And it was very delicious, but I did feel like I started out my day with a uh, artificial sugar high. So uh, I haven't got around to making a real s'more uh, this year yet, which I would like to do. But in the meantime, I'm sure enjoying this box of uh, s'more cereal. And when I'm done, I'm just going to throw the trash out of my backyard and hope that some park ranger comes by and picks up the litter. Which brings us to this week's game. Park Patrol was published for the Commodore 64 in 1984 by Activision. It is a game for one or two players that uses joystick controls. Park Patrol was published by Activision, and other games covered on Sprite Castle by them include Hero, which goes all the way back to Episode 4, Little Computer People, which was Episode 20, The Sword of Fargoal, which was a classic game on Episode 30, Ghostbusters, Episode 32, and Pitfall on Episode 48. This may be uh, the most popular company that I have covered on Sprite Castle. That would be six of the uh, 57 episodes I've done, so it's very possible. 1981 was a year of explosive growth for the video game industry as a whole, and for one company in particular, Activision, bringing you the most creative and original home video games with extraordinary graphics, exciting sound, and incredibly realistic action. Just what you've come to expect from Activision. This game was programmed by a man named Tony Ngo. And I have to say this, I'm very sensitive to trying to pronounce people's name correctly, and Tony's last name is spelled N-G-O, and I looked up online, and the uh, last name N-G-O, the first two letters N-G are pronounced like the end of the English word wrong, so you have that N-G, and so I believe the correct pronunciation is Tony Go. Uh, So I tried my best. I I literally (laughs) spent time this week working on Tony's last name. Uh, Tony worked on games with his brother, which is Benny Ngo. 
some of the games that uh, they worked on, of course, uh, uh, Tony is responsible for Park Patrol. He did Squish'em, Bandits, and a game called Gamma Goblins. Uh, Park Patrol, each of those were released one year apart, 81, 82, 83, and then Park Patrol in 1984. And that appears to be the last major game that he programmed. I did find in uh, Moby Games his name listed for contributing art and graphics to a couple of games in the 90s and 2000s. But as far as programming, it seems to um, the trail dies in 1984, 85 with, for both him and his brother. I did find some articles online that people were trying to track down Tony and uh, his brother Benny and nobody has been able to track them down. So it seems like a lot of early programmers, they got in early and made games and just walked away from the business for some reason. If you have had dreams of being a park ranger in charge of picking up litter, Park Patrol is the game for you. In this game, levels are cleared by picking up cans and bottles, presumably left behind by thoughtless campers. While cleaning up the grounds, you, as the park ranger, will have to avoid touching turtles, ants, snakes, and swimmers. Unless, of course, they happen to be drowning, which you have to save them. Uh, the box of Park Patrol, and I should mention right up front that there are two releases of Park Patrol. There is the original uh, 1984 version, which was released by Activision in the U.S., and then there is a second release, a budget title release in 1986, which was released in the U.K. by Firebird. Now, speaking of the original 1984 release... The box is absolutely beautiful, and it contains cartoon-style artwork by Jack Davis, who did a lot of artwork for Mad Magazine. So if you look at the artwork of this game, you will immediately recognize his comic style from Mad Magazine. Uh, on the front of the box, there's a picture of both rangers, a man and a woman, and it's a photograph that appears to be in a scrapbook. There's a caption underneath the photo that says, We met these fierce rangers who strike terror into the hearts of vicious forest beasts. And in the picture, there are ants carrying away food. Uh, they've got a backpack and a canteen. There's also a snake with an apple on its head, and he has a baby's rattle in his tail, which is kind of funny. And then there's also a turtle that's holding an axe. Uh, and then in the background, you can see the ranger's uh, dinghy with the motor and it's in the, the floating in the river. And there's a sign that says Poconos Park, which is interesting. Uh, not everything from the game is in the photo. There's no swimmers uh, and there's no logs in the park ranger's hut that appears in the game aren't in the photo. But everything that's in the photo essentially is all uh, uh, different parts of the game. On the back, there are some screenshots and there's more text that says, well, it's sort of like summer camp, only it's a whole mess better. Thanks to the miracle of computer technology, an ingenious customizer option now lets you have a hand in creating your very own scenic parkland. But then you've got to protect it. On land and on water, swampy, snake infested, and slightly silly, it's your park. And you're its ranger. We're talking responsibility. We'll give you a raft, snake repellent, and a few morsels of nourishment, period. No tenderfoots need apply. So be a man or be a woman. That's up to you, too. 
and it's the last easy decision you'll have any time to make. The great outdoors await. And again, there are multiple screenshots of uh, the game in action. The disc version also on the inside has a fold-out kind of inlay with six more cartoons. And it shows the rangers doing different things. Um, you know, one of them, they're, they're burying in trash. And one of them, they're, they're chasing the ants. Uh, they're very funny. Again, uh, you could tell the influence, the comedy from Mad Magazine uh, that has influenced this. And uh, uh, it, it, it's one of those type of things where I, I don't even know, you know, I found pictures online, but I don't know that it does it justice. I would love to have an original copy of this box and be able to uh, uh, fully appreciate it. Now, the 1984 release, uh, there is a badge on the uh, artwork that says Pocono's Park Patrol. And there are multiple references throughout the box and the documentation about this taking place in Poconos State Park, which is a real place in the United States. In the 1986 re-release, all of that has been changed from Poconos, which is again a real place, to Papatoto. Now, I thought that that was a play because the first one is Poconos, which nose is on your face. And the second one is Papa Toto. So your toes are on your feet. So I thought this was making fun uh, and that it had changed. But Papa Toto is also a real park that I looked up that's in New Zealand. So I'm not really sure if there was some sort of licensing issue or if they thought maybe people in the UK wouldn't know what Poconos is. Like, I mean, I think most people here... Uh, they might not be able to locate locate uh, Poconos State Park on a map, but they've definitely heard of the Poconos Mountains and the Poconos area. So, um, yeah, I just found that interesting that uh, that changed between uh, those two releases. So it went from Poconos to Papatoto Park, which I think is a great name. Uh, once you begin loading the game, you will see this full screen still uh, picture. It's a, a wonderful piece of artwork. It shows the ranger, he's navigating the river in his little dinghy, which we'll talk about. It's like an inflatable boat that has an outboard motor in the back in this in this photo or drawing. Uh, there are logs in the water, which is, of course, part of the game. There is a snake chasing him. And then on the shoreline, you can see a turtle. And it's kind of hard to see because the entire shoreline is brown and the turtle is also brown, so when you glance at it, it doesn't really jump out. Uh, and then at the bottom, it says Park Patrol, which is all spelled out with logs uh, that look like they've been cut down by a beaver or something. Um, once the game is loaded, that screen goes away, and we get to the initial title screen, which is uh, uh, we see the, the big Activision logo. It says Activision Presents Park Patrol, trademark by Tony and Go. Uh, and copyright 1984 Activision. Uh, once you get past that, we will get to the menu screen. You will see the title Park Patrol, and it's flashing different colors. Uh, and you have three options, F1, F3, and F5. F1 starts a one-player game. F3 starts a two-player game. And F5 takes you into a menu where you can configure the game. And we'll be talking more about that later in the episode. So you press F1, you start a one-player game, you will immediately see the park ranger inside his dinghy, inside the water. Now, uh, one of the interesting things I never really thought about, but someone brought it up on my recent stream, is that uh, I always thought about this being a campsite 
uh, and you are patrolling the river that goes back and forth, which makes the most sense. But everything in the game does wrap around. If you keep going to the left far enough, you will wrap around the game and come back around on the right. So I th- it's possible that you're patrolling uh, a, a river that goes in a circle <laughs> around an island. I never, I never thought of the game like that until uh, this this uh, latest stream. Now, the gameplay takes place both in the water and on the land, so you will be moving back and forth between those two areas. Uh, on the shore right behind you, when you start, you will see your little ranger hut. There's some trees, and you'll see some turtles on the shore. Uh, in the water, you'll see logs and possibly a swimmer or two. And at the bottom of the screen, you will see all your stats. Now, on the left-hand side, there is your energy, which is based in calories, and also your supply of energy, which is also based in calories. And you'll notice that the energy is always counting down, so it is a fast-moving timer that keeps you moving throughout the game. Um, In the middle, you'll see the Activision logo and then a visual representation of what kind of litter you're picking up on this level. It kind of goes through. There's Coke cans, there are glass bottles, and then later on there are um, some little type of balls. I believe it says gummy balls. I think I read. Um, they look like oranges, but whatever. Uh, so you'll see those. And every level has twelve pieces of trash that you have to pick up. Um, on the right hand side, it will show uh, with the player. It'll show your score, how many uh, men you have left, and what level you're on. And you always start the game with four rangers, and you can get an extra ranger at 20,000 points. So again, the goal of each level is to pick up all 12 pieces of litter, whatever it happens to be, whether it's Coke cans or, or bottles or uh, the gummy balls, I guess. Um, and, and the litter can appear either on the land or floating in the water. So uh, when you're on the land, you'll find these turtles that are fast-moving turtles that will chase you. Later on, you'll find ants. Uh, so there are multiple things up on the land and in the water, there are multiple things also, uh, <laughs> that, uh, could kill you. So anyway, again, um, uh, on land, you don't want to touch the turtles. And then later on, there are ants. There is a way to kick the ants if you hit them from the side or the back, because they're going to be stealing your food, which is essentially your calories, which is essentially your time. Uh, and that is stored inside your, your ranger hut. So you'll have to deal with ants. Um, in the water, there are a lot of ways to die. First of all, uh, if you fall in the water outside of your boat, you will die. Um, and this can happen if you're moving at a, a medium rate of speed, medium to high rate of speed, and you hit a log that's floating in the water on the end, you will be ejected from your dinghy. Now, if you catch it quick enough, you can control that jump in the air and land back in your dinghy. You can also land on the log, which will start a log rolling mini game that I'll talk about. Um, it's also unfortunately pretty easy to jump out of your dinghy onto the land. And then when you're jumping back into the dinghy, um, misgage that jump and end up in the water and die. So anytime you land on the water, uh, you will lose a ranger. Uh, there are also snakes in the water and the snakes for some reason are not uh snake color. <laughs> They're kind of a pink color, which makes them look like big earthworms. But trust me, once one hits your dinghy, you will realize it was a snake. They will kill you instantly. Now you do have snake repellent that you can launch and you have unlimited snake repellent, but every time you use it, 
you use 200 calories. And you start with 1,000 calories that will start counting down very rapidly. So if you do multiple um, snake repellents, you're going to need food uh, very quickly because if your timer gets down to zero, you will also lose a life. Uh, there are also swimmers in the river. Now, the swimmers... Uh, <laughs> First of all, the swimmers are swimming around, and anytime you hit a swimmer, apparently what they're doing is pulling the plug out of your dinghy, and your dinghy immediately deflates and you die. So touching a swimmer, instant death. Except for sometimes the swimmers will begin to drown, and there will be a little notification on the screen that says help on the right-hand side, and you'll hear a sound play. Uh, and then you have to go very quickly and find the swimmer. If the swimmer drowns, you die. I guess you get fired or whatever. Um, but you have to rescue the swimmer before the swimmer, <laughs> before the swimmer drowns. So hitting a guy who's swimming kills you, letting that same guy die also kills you. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, and then, of course, running out of energy, uh, you will lose your, uh, lose your current ranger. Now, again, you have your current calories, which start at a thousand and are always counting down, but your ranger hut also has food inside. And anytime you go in there, it, you will basically renew your calories back up to a thousand. So it's kind of like going in and getting a, a quick snack or something. Uh, and so most of the levels can't be beat without renewing your energy so that that's something that you'll end up having to do the controls are pretty simple actually on land uh, the joystick moves you in all uh, four directions eight directions i guess and the button jumps so as the turtles come near you you can jump over the uh, the uh, turtles and avoid them uh, same thing in the water you can move in all eight directions up down left right and diagonal uh, if you are away from the shore and you press the button then you will launch a uh, piece of snake repellent, which will make all the snakes disappear. I guess they dive down into the water is what they're doing. Uh, the button also jumps in and out of your dinghy if you're up against the shore. So you just press the button and jump out, and that's how you get on the land and, and back in. Uh, on the keyboard, you can hit run stop, and that will pause the game, and run stop restore will restart the game. Although uh, I didn't really find a need to restart the game. Usually if you go out, if you want to die, you can kill all, all four of your guys in about 10 seconds. So restarting the game wasn't really a problem for me. So about playing Park Ranger. Well, again, the goal is to get all 12 uh, pieces of litter. Uh, so that's how you move through the game. And the quicker you could do that, the more points you'll get because all the leftover calories, whether they're in your park ranger thing or, or on your actual timer, uh, you get bonus points for. So you want to clear all the litter as quickly as possible. The uh, swimmers that are drowning are worth 5,000 points. Now, to put that in perspective, if a turtle begins drowning and you save uh, the turtle and you pick up the turtle, it's worth 200 points. So Getting a swimmer, rescuing a drowning swimmer is worth 5,000 points. It's a big, huge chunk of points. Um, you know, I played several games and my high scores were between 10 and 15,000. And so getting one swimmer would be one third of my score. Now, the swimmers tend to stay near the ranger hut. So if you could keep an idea in your mind how far to the left or the right you are of the hut, that will help you go back and find the drowning swimmers as quickly as possible. 
Uh, then on level three is where the ants show up. Now the ants uh, go get food out of your hut and they walk off and each piece of food represents a thousand calories. So it is a lot of your timer that they are stealing. Now, if you go to above an ant and run into them and kick them, they will roll down into the water and they won't reappear. The same thing for if you could get a turtle, if you stand near the shoreline, turtles will rush at you. And if you move, they will go into the water. And if you jump in and get the turtle while he's in the water, they also won't reappear. Um, but if you are underneath an ant and kick him upwards, he'll just go back for more food. So you always want to try to kick them down into the river. That's something that I learned this week from uh, re revisiting this title. There's also points to be made by log rolling. Now, again, uh, as you travel through the water, you can run into the end of a log. You will be ejected from your dinghy, and if you time it right, you can land on the log. Now, the log is rotating at a certain speed. If you hold the joystick straight up, you will run off the log into the water and drown. If you don't move at all, you will go backwards off the log and then drown. So it's very <laughs> difficult to tap the joystick, tap the joystick, you know, depending on the speed that the log is rolling. I don't know whether or not they all roll or rotate at the same speed or not. I can tell you that as a kid, I remember doing this all the time. And this week, I couldn't do it at all. I tried 50 times at least, and I could not do it. I don't know if my reflexes have got that bad over the years or if there's something with the emulator, uh, you know, where it's just the timing is off. But it's very, seemed to be very difficult to do. If you can stay on the log for the entire amount of time and jump back into your dinghy without drowning, you will also get 5,000 points. So this is a, a good way to boost your score if you can pull it off. I wasn't able to pull it off this week, but maybe I just need a little bit more practice. Uh, again, we talked about the snake repellent. That's a good way to keep the snakes away, but it does cost 200 calories each time you use one. There's also a magical tree. Now, this is something that I did not know about as a kid, or if I did, I didn't understand it. Uh, it's not essential to use this to the gameplay, but it's very interesting that it's there. Uh, there is a little bush and if you go on the land and run into it, you will hear this little sound. Now, the bush is located always to the left of the ranger's hut, but not always in the same spot. You kind of have to find it. And when you run into it, you'll hear this little tune. And apparently what, what you're doing is watering uh, this little bush. But it will begin to grow up into a tree. And once it has fully grown and doesn't do it instantly, you have to wait uh, but once it has grown, it will uh, bear fruit. And if you eat the fruit, you can now run in double speed, double time while you're on the land. So it becomes very easy to avoid the turtles and you can run all around and, and get all the litter that's on the uh, uh, on the land portion of the game very quickly. Uh, now, the tree, uh, it I, I thought that it only worked once per level, but you could reset it. Uh, by getting a drowning swimmer, say if you save a drowning swimmer or save a drowning turtle, either one of those things will reset the tree, and then you could go rewater the tree again and continue to do it. So um, I don't know if there's any points involved in doing that, but it was it was uh, interesting. Again, it's a part that I just without reading the instructions as a kid, I never really understood. The graphics of this game are very cartoon-like. I love the graphics. They have a three-dimensional feel to them as things rotate around your ranger or your boat. As they rotate, it feels like a three-dimensional object and not 
just like Mario, uh, where he runs left or runs right. This actually feels like there's an item that's turning in the game. You know, when you die, uh, your ranger spins around uh, and then disappears, and his clothes just kind of fall into a little pile. So there's lots of little animations like that that are um, you know entertaining, and they just look really good. It adds to the overall charm of this game. Uh, I also noticed that there's a little bit of a parallax scroll going on. You can kind of see this. If you are going at full speed in the water, you'll see the logs are moving by faster than the trees on the beach. I mean, that's not something that's required for the game, but it is, it's a really nice touch. And it it was really cool to see that Uh, the sound in this game is also great. And they used a trick that I don't know that I've ever seen on another game. Uh, Each level starts with a short song, and the song uses all three voices of the Commodore SID chip. The Commodore SID chip has three independent voices. So if you're doing things like making great music with chords or, or, you know, music with two voices doing the music and one for the percussion or something like that, that ties up the entire chip. And so each level starts with a song that lasts about 15 seconds long as you're playing. But you'll notice during that time, there's no sound effects. Now, what happens is once the little ditty has played all the way through, it drops down to a much simpler version of the song that's only using one voice. It's kind of like if you were to sing a song and then just start humming it to keep it in your memory. I don't think I ever really noticed it doing this, but it's brilliant because Now that the song is only using one voice, that leaves two voices available for all the sound effects in the game. There are all kinds of different sound effects. You know, when you jump, when when the swimmers start drowning, you will hear this noise repeated over and over. So even if they're not on screen, you have this audio clue that something is happening, that you need to be doing something. Um, so it's just a really good technical trick or or technique that they use to do that. And of course the, the three chord music is really, uh, uh, great to listen to Everything in this game is, is top notch and it feels like a much later game. I'm really surprised this is, uh, 84 because this kind of feels like a 85, 86 kind of game with a little bit advanced graphics, a little bit advanced, uh, music. And normally when you look at a game, if you've been playing, Commodore games long enough, you can kind of, uh, you know, figure out what era it's from. And, and this just has a lot of advanced stuff in it. So let's go back to talking about that third option from the main screen. Again, we had F1 for one player, F3 for two player, and F5 goes to this menu. When the menu pops up, you will see uh, a graph with things across the top, things up and down the left-hand side. Across the top, you'll see levels one, two, three, four, five. So that's easy enough. Down the the left-hand side, you'll see things like the number of swimmers, the number of snakes, uh, the number of swamps, which is areas that you could get killed on the uh, dry part of the land. Um, I think number of turtles, number of ants. And uh, you can go through and set those numbers per level. So if the first level is not hard enough, you can add a bunch of ants or you can make more turtles or more snakes, whatever you want to do. And you can modify the difficulty of this game through this feature that's right there off the main menu. So I think that's really um, kind of advanced thinking for what otherwise is a a fun, entertaining arcade style game. Uh, Another thing that's in this menu is... You can control whether or not the park rangers are men or women. 
And by default, player one is male and player two is female. You can swap that around. You can make them both female. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't affect the gameplay. But that's one of the earliest games I can think of that gives you that option uh, to be, you know, to choose either a male or female. Uh, and again, that's something that it doesn't affect the gameplay at all. And and obviously, there's a certain amount of programming that had to go into that to make that happen. He had to design a second sprite, you know, and not just a one sprite, but the sprite from all the different angles as it, as the character walks forward, backward, and, and turns around and things like that. So there, there was a, I mean, I don't know how significant, but there was additional coding required to do that. So it's very interesting that that would have been important enough to add that into the game. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad they did. It's um, it's an interesting option. Scoring on Park Patrol is pretty straightforward. You get 100 points for each piece of litter or rubbish that you pick up. You get a bonus for each remaining calorie that you have at the end of the level. Uh, there are uh, 5,000 points and 1,000 calories are rewarded for rescuing any drowning swimmer. You can also get another 5,000 points for performing the log roll. And you could do that as many times as you can pull off during the level. So that if you're looking for a way to boost your score, that is one way to do it. Uh, and finally it says 200 points for sailing over a turtle. I always thought that meant jumping. Like, you know, when you sail, like someone jumps, they sail over something. I thought that meant, uh, on land, but I guess those 200 points are for picking up, uh, the ones that are drowning. So a new feature to the show is I reached out to some of my Patreon supporters and uh, members of our Discord community and asked them to give uh, brief thoughts about this game. And we're also going to be having some high score challenges. So if you want to uh, participate in those things, you can go over to Patreon, sign up, and we'll get you started. Boat of Car was the first person to respond. Uh, Boat is uh, one of the hosts of the Amigos podcast and kind of holds everything down over there at the Amigos Discord. Boat says, cruising around in a raft picking up trash may not sound like the best game idea in the world, but Park Patrol is an amazing game, probably the last great game from the original Activision stable. You're constantly trying to juggle picking up trash and avoiding turtles on land while staying within sight of your raft and jumping into it to escape, rescuing swimmers, and traveling to the other areas of the park in need of cleanup. It amused me that trying to rescue a swimmer that doesn't need rescuing results in the swimmer deflating your raft. I think our ranger has a bit of Paul Blart Mall Cop in him, <laughs> which is probably true. Uh, Mitsuyama says this is a classic case of let's take a mundane task and turn it into an arcade game. Picking up litter is fun, right? Well, it turns out it is. While the graphics are nice, the sound is disappointing considering what is possible on the C64. However, the gameplay is the star of the show. The controls are responsive, the difficulty ramps up nicely as you progress through the levels, and it has that just-one-more-go quality to it. And I agree with that. Buck Owens says, You can avoid snakes by hugging the shore, for the first four levels anyway. It seems like you can coax the turtles into the water by luring them near the shore and then jumping into your boat. That is true. Uh, pick them up right away and they are gone for the rest of the level. Don't. And they get their dander up and become even bigger jerks. There's a funky plant near the shore to the left of the hut. It will grow to produce a fruit by watering it. You can water the plant at the start of a level or after re uh, rescuing a swimmer or turtle or two. 
Water by walking over it. The fruit gives you double speed on land for a short time. Those darn ants. Kicking from the top will push them into the water, killing them. By far the best horizontally scrolling trash pickup game ever. That's also probably too. There's not a lot of competition in the horizontally scrolling trash pickup genre. And finally, Z9K9 writes, An immensely charming game, modest in scenario, but big in texture. Everything in this game contributes to the atmosphere of a lively stroll in the great outdoors. The floaty light jumps, the bouncy tunes, the freedom of movement in a 3D landscape deep enough to show parallax, and the darn critters getting all in your face with every other step. There's lots of things to do, and while they don't quite intertwine as thickly for, as, for example, Dino Eggs or a Mr. Do game... Sometimes events do emerge just from the fluid multitasking. As a kid in the UK, this game felt distinctly American to me, with the park ranger's uniform and the aforementioned sensation of wide open space. It just feels great to exist in and act in this world. That's funny that I don't think of this as being uh, American-centric type game. Uh, as I was looking through reviews, the only bad review, and I couldn't read it because it was in French, uh, but there was one uh, review that gave this uh, 40, and I thought, you know, maybe in France, uh, they don't have people that just go camp and leave litter everywhere. <laughs> so maybe it is uh, American-centric in that aspect. <laughs> uh, I check a few different websites for high scores, um, and C64 Wiki, which always has the highest score of any high score list, Lists a high score of 819,700 points, which is an astronomical score in this game. Uh, CBM 8-bit, which is another uh, repository of high scores, has a, uh, a more moderate score listed of 353,530. But our own Z9K9 came in first in this month's uh, or this episode's high score challenge with 177,000. 200. I do want to say my personal high score was about 25,000, so about seven times lower than Z9K9 score. And Z9K9 has a reputation around the Amigos Discord channel of uh, always coming away with first place on these competitions. So uh, when we announce new games, uh, you're, you're definitely going to have to get your practice in if you're going to beat him. Uh, reviews of this game. We're largely positive. Lemon64 on average has a 7.7 .7 rating. The review on Lemon64 gives it a 9 out of 10. Zap Magazine gave it 94 out of 100. Computer Gamer gave it 78 out of 100. Uh, 64 Magazine gave it 73 out of 100. And Happy Computer gave it 71 out of 100. So even a 7 out of 10 was the lowest rating that I could find for this game. Uh, universally uh, enjoyed and loved by most people. There are a couple of different ports of this game. It was ported to the uh, Amstrad CPC and the ZX Spectrum, so there are two other versions of the game out there. If you want to own the Commodore 64 version, I found a copy of the original release, the U.S. release. This is open box but complete, and it's listed right now for $45, and then for me, it's an additional $20 shipping from the U.K., um, I did find cassette copies that had sold in the UK for $6.90 with another, again, for me, $8.29 shipping from the UK. So, uh, on, you know, if you're going to order the one, if you're in the US and you're going to order the UK one, the shipping actually uh, is more than the cassettes go for. 
And now it's time for my personal memories of Park Patrol. Patrol is definitely a game that me and my buddy Jeff played uh, back in the day. We had this. Uh, it, it's one of my first 50 discs. It's somewhere in there in that early collection of games. Again, I got my Commodore 64 in 1985, and this was released in 1984. So right in the very beginning when I was getting copies of games, this game was already floating around. Uh, and my biggest memory, again, is how three-dimensional the sprites looked, you know, to to move from, you know, the Atari 2600 and, and uh, even Apple II games to move into something like this that just had all that parallax scrolling, the bright colors, the, the wonderful-looking sprites. Uh, it, visually, it's just a very entertaining game. And this is a game that you can play okay without the instruction manual, which is, of course, what we had to do as kids. Uh, with the instruction, things make a little bit more sense. Uh, you know, the thing about the, the magic tree and, and how the scoring and certain things work, uh, you know, those are things that are a little bit, uh, make more sense now that I've read the manual. But even without it, you can play this game and still do pretty good. So um, it, it was definitely one that, that we played and we enjoyed quite a bit uh, as we were growing up with our Commodore computers. For graphics, I give Park Patrol 5 out of 5 Drowning Swimmers. Uh, everything looks cute, bright colors, you can tell what everything is. Couldn't ask for anything more in a game like this. Uh, for music, I also give this 5 out of 5 Drowning Swimmers. Every level has its own tune, and they all sound really great. Sound effects, I will give it 5 out of 5 Drowning Swimmers as well. Uh, the sound effects are unique enough that you can tell, and they're inter they're interrelayed, they're interlocked with events happening in the game. There are sound notifications that warn you things are happening. So it's not just sound effects, which are good, but they are tied to events. Uh, overall gameplay, I'm going to give Park Patrol 5 out of 5. It is a fun game with great graphics, great sound. It has increasing difficulty, and it's just fun to play. Come for the litter, stay for the fun. for tuning into Sprite Castle. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore or leave me a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. All Patreons of my shows get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Sprite Castle is sponsored by Retro Rewind. For all your Commodore parts and accessories, visit retrorewind.ca forward slash Sprite Castle for a 10% discount on all orders. 
Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Spotify, the RSS feed at podcast.robohair.com, and through the official Amigos podcast feed, which is anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. To hear more podcasts from me, like You Don't Know Flack, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness, visit podcast.robohair.com for links to these shows. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore News, Indie Retro News, Vintage is the New Old, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. Thanks again for listening. Now get back to picking up trash, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle. I'm Woodsy Owl, and I'm here to tell you about a dirty word, pollution. Help Woodsy spread the word. Never be a dirty bird. Don't paint or write off buildings. That's pollution. Give a hoot. Don't pollute. Never be a dirty bird. Turn your radio down. That's noise pollution. In the city or in the woods, come keep America looking good.